Good morning, guys. My name is Aaron. If, not, if I've not met you, hello. I look forward to getting to know you. Thanks for being here today. We're going to be back in Philippians, Philippians chapter 2. Uh, the title of my teaching is this, If Anything Has Happened. Anything has happened, so we'll unfold that here in a second. Hey, speaking of that financial class, there's already a financial blessing about it. The The price has been lowered to $79 since we uh, produced that video announcement. We've had a donor who said, hey, we want more people to have access to this information. So already, if you're thinking about that class, you've already got 20 bucks in your pocket, right? Huh? That's how powerful that class is. So good stuff. Hey, I had wonderful grandparents. I mean, they were just the quintessential grandparents of the 80s and 90s, if you can imagine that. Uh, very different than today, because today grandparents are like really cool. Grandparents have like nose rings, tattoos, they're in biker gangs, you know, that kind of thing. I mean, they're, they're just, there's just a whole new breed. Well, my, my grandparents, they were just that classic, what you imagine on TV kind of grandparents. And so uh, we lived in Irving, Texas, uh, the original home of the Dallas Cowboys. I don't like the Arlington, Texas thing. But anyway, it is football season. We're starting to think that way. We lived in Irving. My grandparents lived in East Dallas. So it was like 25-minute drive to get there. And we went like every other Sunday for lunch. And it was awesome. Like I would give anything to be able to go to my grandparents' lunch today. Uh, but, you know, when you're 15, 16, you're like, I don't want to go. I don't want to go today. And I, re- I remember my dad, he would say, you know, he'd say, Kids, listen. It was his parents. Well, Aaron, listen. After all your grandparents have done for you, you can't just drive 15 minutes and have lunch with them. I mean, it it was true. I mean, they gave me money. They showed up to my games. I traveled with them. Everything a grandparent. I mean, they were just godly Christian people. And he would say, hey, after all they've done for you, can you not just go to lunch? I mean, can you not just do that? And, and so his point was wise and good, and I wish I would not have been such a punk, and I would have just said, yeah, I've been more cooperative. Uh, but I, I feel that tone, at least that's what I'm reading into the tone of, of today's call to unity, right, where, where the Scripture has taken us as we have sequentially gone through this, the, the Scripture, our, and we're now in part 8 of Philippians. So let's just jump in to chapter 2, verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, if consolation of love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, make my joy complete by thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose, do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, But in humility, consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should not look to his own interests, but rather to the interests of others. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, I'm already convicted. (laughs) I mean, that's kind of like close the sermon because that's a, a high call, a high call. And it's a good reminder for everyone and me included It was written to a church, and it has great application to a church, but it applies to everything. It applies to where you work, where you go to school. But we as believers should lead the way in this type of approach, in this type of mindset in approaching our relationship. And here is the appeal, and I appeal to you today. 
I, I want to echo the scriptures as I meditate on how they're impacting my life and now how they're impacting your life. Hey, guys, listen, if you've ever heard a sermon that kind of kept you going when you wanted to quit, if you've ever heard a song that moistened the eyes and made you cry a little bit because you love Jesus more, if you've ever received an unexpected financial blessing when money was a little bit short, if you ever had a sick child or a sick parent and you prayed for them and they got better. If Christ has given your life any meaning at all, like if there's anything good that's come, hey, if that's the case, then do these things. This is the heart. Dad told me, come on, man, after all your grandparents did for you, can't you just go to lunch? And I say to me, and I say to all of us, after all we get to experience in the family of God and in the church, can't we just do a few things? Here's the first thing I see from Scripture is unite. Unite. And you see the Scripture we've already read, but we'll look again at verse 1 and 2. If any encouragement, any consolation of love, any fellowship. Now look at verse 2. Make my joy complete thinking the same way, having the same love, united in spirit, united in spirit. Now, let me tell you what this does not mean. This does not mean you can't have an opinion because you're an individual being. And with your experience and your way of seeing the world, you, your opinion brings richness to the family. It doesn't mean that you are brainwashed. We know that's not healthy, healthy to have group think. For everyone just says, let's think just like the leaders do, or even more dangerously, the leader does. It's actually a good thing when a group doesn't all think the same. It's dangerous when everyone thinks the same because then we don't become critical thinkers. So that's not what it's saying to be united in spirit. It doesn't say give away your opinions or become brainwashed. It doesn't mean that you form the same conclusion on every issue. Having different conclusions on different issues doesn't mean we're not united in spirit. This is much, much different. What it does mean, and this is the high standard that I'm reaching for too, it means this, is that every individual in the church or even in the family unit, or if you want to take it to business, in the department, or on the team, or in the choir. But, but again, I, I will state clearly this is to the church, so I think there's power here. Every individual in the church strives to think about every situation. Here, here's the big test, the way Jesus would. Okay, that's why it's a high standard, and that's why I don't, I don't pass the standard all the time. So the idea is this, to have Christ's opinion, to have Christ's mindset, to have Christ's conclusion on the issue. So that, that takes all types. All, it takes knowing scripture. It takes maturity. It takes love. It takes all of the stuff we talk about every Sunday, right? All of that matters. And what happens is, and I want you to, I want you to see the power of unity because, you know, I've heard, I've heard a lot of sermons on unity and stuff, and I'm just following the passage here. I've heard a lot of sermons on unity and, 
And, you know, they're always like this, like, it's a good thing to be united. It's a good thing to be united. And, and then if you're the leader, you're like, it's really good for you to be united uh, to do what I want to do. And that, that's not what I'm getting at here. I want you to see and feel the synergy of individuals who lay down their opinions and preferences and let Christ form the truth in them. Look what happens when all of us put Jesus first and then we all have a synergy of ideas. And so unity is a power. And sometimes we think it's this kind of mystical thing. Like, hey, if we get all on the same page, like a spirit of unity will come in. And I suppose that's accurate in some ways. But it's also very pragmatic that if we're trying to get Jesus in every situation... And we're striving for that. And we're contending for that. That's a word we used last week. We'll see again. Then there is automatically a power because we are in divine flow. We're in the divine flow of the Lord here. And so this is what is amazing. And to the church of Romans, there's a very similar life-giving scripture. Romans chapter 15, verse 5. And here's a prayer. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement, that's something all of us need, grant that you live in harmony with one another according to Christ Jesus, so that you may glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ with one mind and one voice. What's the one mind and what's the one voice? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. We had CIL Forward Wednesday, and and we had... You know, just a handful of people there, but um, we've gone over the, the, the call our church has and the covenant our church has. And I'm so happy our church does live this out. I'm so proud of our church. Our church is a church, I believe, that's united in spirit. And, and we, we do kind of strive to, to get the mind of Christ. So I'm proud of you guys, and I'm proud to get to serve Jesus with you. And, uh, you know, a lot, of, a lot of problems that my pastor colleagues go through with churches, we, we don't go through here, and I thank God for that. And that's because of you. That's because of you guys, because of what Jesus is doing in you. I'm really enthusiastic about our staff right now. Uh, we, we have a great staff. We've had great staff members in the past also, and, and we have a great staff chemistry right now. And part of it is because our staff is getting bigger thanks to your generosity and you supporting them. But we're in a sweet spot right now where the team is operating as a team. Meaning this, is that, you know, we have an organizational chart and, you know, Jacob's in charge of 242 and Deborah's in charge of some discipleship and spiritual direction and the build, you know, all of these different things, different ones. Austin, you're sitting over there. I should put you in charge of something. He's going to be a pastor. He's not quite yet. That's my nephew. And uh, so yeah, I should have, I should have given you something to be in charge of. <laughs> Sit on the front row and watch out what happens, right? <laughs> Nelson, I got some things for you. <laughs> but, but the staff, what I'm seeing in them right now, and I even saw it even this very morning, is they're working outside of their lanes for each other. Yeah, yeah I'll, help, I'll, I'll set up a table. Um, Deborah covered for Jacob some important things while he was on paternity leave, so forth, so on. I could give you 
a bunch of examples. They're just sitting right in front of me, so it's coming to mind. And, and this, this idea of like, I'm not just going to do what I'm responsible for. I'm going to help a teammate succeed. Now, where that doesn't work is when you have a teammate who catches on and they use other team members and then they don't, they don't do the same thing for that team member. And so then everyone gets in their own little silos, okay? So, so happy that's not happening in our, with our church staff. And, and I see that just the way we're called to live as Jesus people. Be selfless. That's my second point. Be selfless. That's what the scripture says here. Look at verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. And that's a key part of this. In humility, Jesus' humility. Consider others as more important than yourselves. Let's just stay there for a second. We need to say this because, because of the benefits we get from modern psychology. There, there's a lot of, I'll say even helpful language about self-care and about you know, knowing your gift and knowing your personality. And all of those can be helpful, but they're not helpful when we become selfish with those things. On the other hand, sometimes people can use, you know, can use as a strategy helping others to actually advance themselves because we know the power, the power of cooperation. So this is in humility. Like you're, when you're in the place that Jesus has for you, in humility, consider others as more important than yourself, not in false humility, not in, in secret self-promotion, but in humility, really consider others more important than yourselves. Hey, I'm getting convicted right now, guys. Verse four, everyone should look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. Look at the scripture raising the standard for us here this morning. And I'll be honest with you, I just know this from the rest of scripture, but I know this from life. No one lives this out all the time. No one, not, not even the most admirable person. But do you know what it's like when everyone lives, not for their own interest, but the interest of others? Do you know what they call that? Heaven. That's what they call that. And we want heaven on earth. And so even though none of us accomplishes this with perfection, and all of us, including me, can improve, we are moving towards that. And we're bringing the laws of heaven to earth. Not the pride that we have in our own abilities and our own ways to advance and, and you know, our selfish ambition. If you want to be like Jesus, which is the goal of our faith, we have to serve. You know what that means? It means that this is a good reminder that every week and maybe even every day, you'll have to go somewhere you don't want to go. Or you'll have to participate in something you don't want to get involved in. Or you'll have to not get what you want to get into that servant heart and mindset that Jesus has. And that's why scripture calls us, don't do things out of selfish ambition. Consider others better than yourself. If more and more of our choices can be selfless in view of Christ, not selfless out of self-punishment, because that's, again, a wrong motivation. 
They're like, I'm just going to be selfless because I don't have any confidence and because, I, you know, I'm not worthy and I've sinned too much. Not that kind of selflessness, but selflessness out of genuine sacrifice. Then the spirit of Jesus will manifest among us and we will change the world. We will change the world by preferring one another. We will change the world by serving one another. We will change the world because we're focused not on ourselves, but on others. You know, arguing is usually destructive. It's usually very destructive to argue. But for some, arguing is a sport. It's a sport. I mean, there's actually debate teams. And I was in a CLC men's group, which is something great I'd love to tell you about. Jacob would love to tell you about uh, with some guys here in the church. And we had a CLC men's group, and we had certain rules. What that is, Christ-led communities, it's, a, it's where men get together to seek Christ together, seek Jesus together. And, you know, guy, you get a, guy, a bunch of guys in a room, and we just like to argue about anything. You know, argue about sports, argue about social issues, argue about who has the best barbecue in town, who's the best hamburger, argue. So, you know, we had to put some of that down. Well, two of the guys in our group... I'm not going to tell you who they are, but they still attend this church. So, I mean, it could be someone near you. But two of the guys in our group knew that, like, not to argue during our Bible study meeting. Uh, so they would either, you know, stand in the parking lot a couple of hours after the meeting and just argue. <laughs> now, now, they did have young kids, so I don't know if they're just enjoying the sport or they didn't want to take care of the kids that night. I don't know which one it was. We never got to that lesson in our CLC. So for some people, debate is fun and arguing is kind of, kind of, they can do it. And I will say, I can use this illustration because those two brothers are great friends and they've navigated that odd relationship well. <laughs> but most of the time, most of the time, arguing is destructive. But I want you to think about this. We are drawn to divisive people. We love divisive people. You might say, no, I don't. I don't either. But yeah, yeah, you probably do. Because it makes it more interesting. It's just more interesting when people are being disruptive. Sometimes it's humorous when someone is disruptive. It feels empowering. Some of the most powerful people on this planet are people who are divisive. After all, they have something to say. It's kind of boring. Peace is kind of boring, so we think, until chaos comes to our home or chaos comes to our land. And then we know that lawlessness, lawlessness leads to destruction. The great achievers in the world, the ones that inspire our hearts, usually find agreement. Our diplomats, diplomats, arbiters, peacemakers, they find agreement. And I want to tell you this, I believe this, there's almost always, I can't say always, but there's almost always something to agree upon if you want to bad enough. But divisiveness just feels so interesting and it's so good. This is what the scripture is calling us to do. Agree in the Lord. Agree in the Lord. Now, I want to skip ahead to Philippians chapter 4. So we're, gonna, we're just going to pull up some scriptures. 
further ahead that apply to the teaching today. So go on to Philippians 4. So then, my dearly loved and longed for brothers and sisters, my joy and crown in this manner, stand firm in the Lord, dear friends. I urge Euodia and I urge Synthesy to agree in the Lord. Notice that phrase, in the Lord, to agree in the Lord. I also, ask, yes, I also ask your, you, true partner, to help these women who have, and I love this word, we talked about this word last week, contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my coworkers whose names are in the book of life. What does it mean to agree in the Lord? We agree what scripture says. We agree with what God's people have held true at all times and all places are the things we hold today. We don't have to agree on secondary matters and we have to agree upon our faith. Those are the things where we find agreement. And I know this, the conflict that I've been part of, that I've either initiated, started, whatever, the, whatever it is, it has been based off earthly position and earthly recognition and earthly success. Man, if I, when I get my mind on eternity, when I get my mind on the things that really matter, all of the stuff that has caused disruption, man, it really doesn't matter. So the last thing I want to say today is focus on heaven-based community. A heaven-based community. That phrase, I used that in a sermon in April. I was like, where did I hear that from? And and I did a search on the Word document, and I was like, yeah, one of my points back in April was what we ought to cherish a heaven-based community. And I remember working through that phrase and thanking through that phrase. And so here it comes up again. So look at verse 3 of Philippians 4. Yes, I also thank you, true partner, to help these women, the same women we just read about, who have contended for the gospel at my side, along with Clement and the rest of my co-workers. Now look at this. Whose names are in the book of life. Hey, where did that pop out of? The book of life? Isn't that just like, that's kind of like a kid's story, right? There's a book in heaven with people's names in it. No, it's not a kid's story. It's a word picture that through Jesus and through what he did on the cross and through, through his resurrection, he has put your name in, in a book. He doesn't have an eracer either, man. You're, you're by Jesus. You are part of a community. You're part of a family. Eternity doesn't start when you, when you breathe your last breath on this earth. Eternity has begun now when you've discovered who Jesus is. So the people around you are brothers and sisters. They're not just people who live in your neighborhoods or who, who your kids have gone to school with. Or they're, they're not just people who get on your nerves. They are people whose names are written in the book of life. So I want to close with this scripture. Revelation 21 talks about our future. And I love these word pictures we get in Revelation, it gives us hope. 
that points us to the future. So Revelation chapter 21, starting with verse 24. This is our future that we're in now, and it's going to come with ever more presence as Jesus is revealed. The nations will walk by its light. This is the glory of God. The glory of God. The nations, the nations, the tribes of the world are going to walk by the light of the Lord. The kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and honor of the nations into it. This is the heavenly realm. Nothing unclean will ever in it, will never enter it. For anyone who does, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false. But only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Hey, Paul said in the book of Philippians, and John wrote this in Revelation, Paul named two ladies. And he said, these ladies contended with me for the gospel. So help them get along. Because they're not just two ladies in the church. And they're not just two people that are showing up at the prayer meeting or coming or living among you. Their names are written in the Lamb's book of life. They've been chosen by God, redeemed by God. Their destiny is with God. Guys, there is greatness among us. There's greatness around us. There's glory on the people you're sitting with. There's glory on people watching this sermon right now. There's glory on people that you come to the table with. There's glory on on people you come and you are among those who names have been written in the Lamb's book of life that have a destiny with God and because of that if anything has happened to you come on if you've ever ever discovered how great Jesus is if his presence has ever touched you inspired you then do these things unite in spirit prefer one another focus on the heavenly based community Guys, that's what you do, and you inspire me, and it's going to be with ever-increasing power as we walk together.